I went from a very entrepreneurial startup, fast, agile environment to a much more professional, polished, strategic environment. And so I would say that my time at Smashbox uh, taught me so many lessons from startup, quick, creativity, all that other stuff. And then the polish and more sophisticated business leader I became as an Estee Lauder executive. With roles at Bobby Brown, Smashbox, and most recently Murad, Michelle Shigemasa has innovated and impacted brands throughout her career as an intrapreneista. And she joins us today to share her journey. As the current CEO of Murad, Michelle tells us how she feels at home at a company that has the perfect balance of a dynamic startup energy and the resources of a large organization. Coming up, You'll hear the process of becoming a CEO and why it involves interviewing the company yourself, how Michelle has built a strong team at Murad and why it is crucial to hire people who you want to be sitting across from every day, how Michelle has nurtured the company culture at Murad since going remote, the impact of COVID-19 on her industry and Murad and how she managed to shift from brick and mortar to online the importance of being where the customer is and tuning into what they care most about in that particular moment, how Michelle recharges when she is not working, and finally, what Michelle is grateful for every day and why her mother is her biggest mentor. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Michelle, we are so excited to sit down with you over Zoom this afternoon and share more about your incredible career journey. I'd love to hear from you a little bit about how you got started in the beauty industry because you have had quite the incredible career. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I started, you know, in the beauty industry, frankly, by accident. And sometimes the best things happen by, by, by accident. I was a buyer at Nordstrom and worked my way up through the ranks and finally got to the destination I thought was my dream. And lo and behold, it didn't really leverage the skills I I loved and had passion for. And so in my mid-20s, I decided to take a break and to slow down and find my next journey. So I stepped down and on an interim basis became a counter manager for a cosmetic company called Bobby Brown that was just entering Nordstrom. So it was an opportunity for me to relax a little bit, slow down, have some time to figure out my next step and, of course, pay the bills. And lo and behold, I loved it. I went to every, every day I went to work at Happy. I was leveraging my creativity. I was leveraging my business skills and running a mini business. But most importantly, I was helping women. And I was helping women feel more confident 
uh, to feel more beautiful. I was helping women with cancer. I was helping women, you know, in making them feel great uh, in their most beautiful day, like, like their wedding. And so in essence, I, I found my purpose and I've never looked back. I want to dig into that a bit more. For a lot of people in 2020, we were forced to to take breaks or people were let go from their jobs. How did you discover what you were passionate about? You know, I think I discovered it just by by doing it. And, you know, I think you can understand what you're passionate about when you're when you're happy, right? And when you can't wait to go to work and when you can't wait to see a client and, you know, I had no intention of of moving up in cosmetics at all, ever. And it's just where, you know, the journey led me. And I really actually am proud of myself for listening to that happiness and that passion. You know, success followed. That's the bottom line is success followed. What was the role that you started in at Bobby Brown? I was a counter manager at Nordstrom. So what that means is I had my own little business, my own little counter. You've seen, you know, Nordstrom, the cosmetic department. You know, I had a small team of a couple of, of makeup artists on my team. And it was awesome. It was, you know, a small business. I had to grow it. I had to, you know, provide great, great service, uh, train a team. I got to be creative and, and mix and play with color. Still have a, a toe into fashion, right? There was a strong tie to fashion with Bobby Brown with all the runway shows. So that's, that's where it all began. And from there, it just, my responsibility got, got bigger and, and bigger, just larger, you know, go from one counter to several counters and then to a region and then to, you know, a territory and so on and so forth. So that's where it all began behind the counter. Do you have any advice to anyone who is in those roles right now on how you're able to get promoted? Were you proactive about it and said, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, for this new position or were you just doing such a great job and these opportunities were coming to you? You know, I think I, Nordstrom is very well known for promoting from within and both being a buyer, you know, I started uh, Nordstrom as a temporary worker really for Christmas time, you know, they needed extra, extra support during the busy time. And also with Bobby Brown, I started as I just shared as a counter manager and in both roles, I, I, I worked hard you know, had strong intention to win. I had good results. And eventually I was recognized and promoted. How did you know when it was time to leave Bobby Brown and try something new? You know, I think for me, how I always gauge my development is, you know, am I still learning every single day? And when you start to do the same things over and over again, and you're not learning any longer, I think it's time to stretch, you know, yourself and and move into, you know, a new territory, a new challenge, more responsibility. So with Bobby Brown specifically, I had been an account executive for several, several years, and it was awesome. But I had an opportunity to be a regional sales director for Smashbox. And with Bobby Brown, as, as you probably know, it's a New York-based brand, and I'm an LA-based girl. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so it was a beautiful thing that Smashbox was based in LA and I could be close to headquarters and also fulfill, you know, kind of the next ambition in my career. So it was just perfectly aligned opportunity. It was the right role in the right place. And I took it and it was difficult because I was with Bobby for about seven years and I loved it. When you went to Smashbox, it, it looks like you experienced very rapid growth. The company started at 10 million. <laughs> what was your role in that growth of the brand? You know, I was a part of a very small leadership team. And so we were a, sm- a small and a- agile company. And, uh, you know, I would say that I was part of the the, the creative thinking, the, the quick moves, the testing and learning. And, you know, one of the biggest lessons I learned at Smashbox is really learning to put your boat, you know, where, where the wind is. And then getting all of your players, your team rowing in the same direction so that you can just move a lot quicker and have faster growth. That was, you know, one of the biggest things I learned at Smashbox and, and, and appreciated in, in my experience. And how long were you there for before you started your next venture? 13 years. So I'm a loyal gal. <laughs> you are. I feel like na- nowadays you typically don't hear about people staying at, at companies that long. What kept you there? You know, I had strong passion. I, you know, still got to be very connected and centered um, on the consumer. And, and, you know, that that drives me still helping people live, live happier and more confident lives. Um, and, and I was challenged. You know, we were small. We were a $10 million brand my first year. And, you know, we, we had a mission. We knew eventually we wanted to sell the company. And in order to do that, you have to have fast growth. We had entered into Sephora in order to, you know, win at Sephora, you've got to grow fast. And so, you know, there was, there was a, there was a big, there was a lot to accomplish and there was, you know, uh, there was a a prize in in a way at the end of of the rainbow that, that we're all working towards. So, you know, I, we accomplished that about mid-tenure, so I was probably with the brand about seven years when we were an independent brand, you know, owned and, and run by a founder. And then Estee Lauder purchased the brand right about seven years in, and I stayed with them probably another six or seven years. And that was a completely different experience. So I went from a very entrepreneurial startup fast, agile environment to a much more professional, polished, strategic environment. And so I would say that my time at Smashbox uh, taught me so many lessons from startup, quick, creativity, all that other stuff, and then the polish and more sophisticated business leader I became as an Estee Lauder executive. And so I experienced both through, through a pretty long tenure. You have a preference of what you prefer, what type of environment? I do. I, I, I do think there's value to both, but uh, that's one of the things that brought me to, to Murad. It is kind of in between. And, you know, Murad is a part of a bigger corporation, but it's a special business model in that we're not plugged in to the mother company. So we run as an independent 
founder-led company. However, I do have the support and resources of a very big organization. And of course, that means a lot less risk, right? And so for me, I found, I believe, the best of both worlds, which was somewhere right in the middle. And it definitely took the experiences you had throughout your career to to find that. And, and that, that's so incredible. And to, yeah, and to appreciate it. Yeah. Can you share with us about the process of becoming the now CEO of this incredible brand? Yeah. You mean the process of just why? Why I went there or? Why you went there and and what it was like to, you know, did you see this role was open and you applied for it? Were you headhunted for it? How did it happen? Okay. So we'll start there. The, the technicalities. Yes. I was head headhunted. Is that the right word? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, she was recruited. You were recruited. I was pursued. You're always pursued. I mean, the beauty industry is, is not that large and there, yeah, you're, you're always pursued. But, but let me say that it was the right time in my learning journey, I would say, after being a general manager at Smashbox for five plus years. So it was the right time. It was the right place. Murad being based in, in Los Angeles. And it was the right brand. And so, you know, those all drove me to, you know, learning, learning more. And so, yes, I was recruited. I, from there, had, you know, I, I don't want to tell you a gazillion interviews, you know, <laughs> with people, which is a good thing, not only on the Unilever side, but also on the brand side. And I think we both wanted to make sure that it was the right fit. You know, when you're, you're looking for roles, a lot of times, you know, you feel like you're the one that's being interviewed. But, you know, my advice to, to, to women out there is you're, you're interviewing the company. And you have to feel great about the company you're going to invest a good chunk of your life and efforts into, right? So that journey probably took about six months. So it was not fast by any means. And the reason I chose Murad is, you know, number one, the products. The the products are outstanding. And I put a lot into what I do. We all do. And you have to believe. In, in what you're, you're, you're selling. So the product was amazing and it was a founder run brand. So there was very much a purpose for the brand, which really resonated for me. And then I would say from a professional standpoint, it was also good for me because it stretched my capabilities outside of color cosmetics into a new segment of beauty skincare. What were some of the lessons that you learned from your previous roles that prepared you to, to take on this new challenge? Oh my gosh, I've, I, I learned so many lessons. <laughs> it's hard to pinpoint, you know, maybe, I'll, let me start with this. This is what comes, comes to mind. I think one thing that I learned early on in my career, and I think Nordstrom and, and you know, Bobby were, were a part of this journey. We talked about, you know, working hard. I was promoted from within and eventually recognized for, you know, my achievements. One lesson that I wish I learned earlier on in my career is you shouldn't wait to be recognized for for the work that you do. You should ask for what you want. And I think a lot of time 
women sit back, work hard, and they wait to be appreciated. And I've learned now that uh, you have to ask for what you want. The second thing I've learned in terms of leadership, I would say, is that the skills that you develop early on as a leader, your superpowers, what I call, they'll stay with you throughout your journey. And so I was always great at being a great team leader and having a team behind me, you know, making me successful. As example, as I grew up the chain with more and more responsibility, even up to a CEO, what I've learned is the things that made me special as a leader with $10 million of responsibility are the same things and skills that I exercise as a CEO of a hundreds and something million dollar company. So you have to continue to tap in to the things that you do well. What would you say your superpowers are? I think my superpower is two things that come to mind. One is team. I completely understand the value of my team. And frankly, they have been the ones that have brought me success. Without them, there is is no success. So I, I put strong value, intention, and work into teams. I invest into people and they invest back. The second thing I would say is I have a strong will to to win. (laughs) I set my mind to something and, and it's inevitable that there will be barriers and obstacles and I just really don't accept it. I just try to figure out how to get around it and get creative to to resolve it. So I'm very strong-willed. Coming up, you'll hear how Michelle has built a company culture that promotes communication and caring for the wellness of her employees. Michelle, you shared that one of your superpowers is your ability to build an incredible team around you. I would love to hear a little bit more about any tips you can share on the best ways to build a great team? If you have hiring tips, interview questions that you ask to be able to find the right talent, how do you do it? Ooh, really good question, Stephanie. And honestly, it's, it's, I think finding the right people is something that I guess my approach has evolved over, over the years. The, the first thing that I look for in terms of a person is I always think to myself, do I want this person sitting across from me at the desk every single day? And is it someone that I like, that I connect with, that's a cool, kind person? So that for me has been one of the driving factors and probably one of my biggest priorities is very simply put, is this person a good, nice person? And then from there, obviously, you know, expertise. I love someone with a a really strong, smart head on their shoulders. That's very highly valuable to me. All of these things are more valuable uh, even than experience, in my opinion, sometimes. So there are a lot of times, even in more senior roles, I'll take someone in where it is a next step of learning or growth for them. Because you know what? They've got a good head on their shoulder. 
They're the right fit for the culture. They've got, you know, good experience. They just haven't had the experience and they're willing to work hard. You know, why, why not give them a shot? And we've all been in those positions. I myself have been in that position so many times when I was at Smashbox and I, I got the, the vice president of sales role. I, I was a, a, a sales director prior to that. So someone gave me a shot and I like to also bring that forward and help others as well. Hiring nice people, I feel like is the most important thing in business that one of the questions that I always ask now on every interview is what is the nicest thing you've ever done for someone? That's a good one. (laughs) You can take it. I mean, Courtney and I, Courtney and I have learned over the years, you know, if we're, if you're not surrounded by nice, good people, someone can be the the best worker and business, but at the end of the day, we all have to be around each other, even on zoom. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you have to have a connection also with the person when you're going to work, you know, one-on-one and closely. And, you know, yeah, I, and, and that took a while for me to learn. I, it was, you know, a, a journey for me. You know, I was, I think early in my career, I was looking for the, the most experienced or the, the biggest brand. And there are other things that I was looking for. And now by far, the, the first thing I look for is just someone that I can connect with. That's a good, nice person. Absolutely. Are there any other questions that you ask that determine whether someone's nice or is it just a, are you good at reading vibes? Yeah. I just, I vibe it out. <laughs> I, to say it. I just, you know, look for conversation to flow uh, organically. We move into personal organically, find out what the person loves and People style really, I think, is telling. So when I talk about being a team leader and, and leading people and, and how they lead, that's that's very telling, I think, whether, you know, it's it's a person that is a kind, genuine person. What's the culture like at Murad and have you changed it since you joined? Oh, yes. That, that it, you know, it's it's been a journey. You know, when I started, there were a ton of, of talented people in the organization. They had, you know, a lot of success. You know, they, they, they too rose, you know, in volume and sold to a big corporation. However, what I would say is that it was, you know, a family-run business for, for 30 years. And, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but when you are a part of a corporation, there are certain things, the financial framework, profitability, growth metrics, there there are a lot more KPIs that you need to deliver. Uh, You need to deliver on the value of the purchase. And so that in itself changes the culture, you know, having a a different goal to, to chase. And all said, I would say that, you know, we did do some restructures and we really had to assess, you know, what, what the future was in terms of business model. And then we had to put capabilities around that. And so we did a little bit of restructuring and, you know, tried to keep as many historical people on board as possible because, you know, they, they have high, high value. So, you know, definitely a journey. And what I would say is, you know, today, a little over three years, you know, at Murad and 
in the midst of a pandemic, you know, where we're all working from home, I would say that our, our culture is, is stronger than ever. The journey that we've taken together, some of those pain points have, have made us closer and stronger. What advice can you share for um, business leaders who are now taking their whole business remote as many of us have done? And how is your culture stronger now? What did, what did you implement? You know, I just, we took extra care of our people and extra communication. Our first priority as, as a leadership team at Murad has been first, not even business during this pandemic is, is people caring for the wellness of our people, not only physically, but also emotionally. And that's been our mantra. That's, that's really kind of got us through. And the beautiful thing is, you know, the organization is behind us and they're appreciative of, you know, having a job and having care. And, you know, the results show. How else was your business impacted by COVID? I hate to bring up uh, online because, you know, everybody brings up online. But obvious shift is, you know, the shift uh, from brick and mortar to, to online. You know, as a brand, we were very focused on kind of where the, the wind was even prior to COVID. And we had been building capabilities online for quite some time. And it was a, a huge strategic intent. When COVID hit, thankfully, we were prepared to be able to ride that wave and, you know, maximize, you know, online um, sales. And so that has been obviously a very big business shift, whereas, you know, the mix or the contribution of online has really exploded. And, you know, I would say peak COVID, let's call it mid-April, online levels, you know, were threefold of, of normal rates. So that's, you know, something that, that really obviously shifted our, our business. What are some of the online marketing strategies that have been working for your business? You know, I think one, you know, social is driving a lot of traffic for us and uh, more so during this bid. So we've been focused on fueling that. We've also, you know, I think one of the silver linings of COVID is, is you know, your whole world turned upside down overnight. You know, all of a sudden your entire organization is working remotely. All of a sudden the consumer journey is only able to be really online. And so it really pushed us to be creative and, and more of that startup mentality so to speak. And we moved fast. We didn't care about perfection. We moved fast. Uh, we, we brought some new initiatives up like the Murad Skin Clinic online, where we took people from, you know, that were servicing brick and mortar to servicing people online. You know, we brought up the skin clinic. We also launched personalized skincare during that time. So, you know, we've, focused a lot on, obviously, initiatives that are unique to Murad.com. And, I, and we ha- I have to ask, because we own a social media agency, but do you have any other social media tips to share that have been working for, for you during this time? Yes, I think it's very simple and not sophisticated, so forgive me, but I think, you know, it's following the mantra of, of be where the consumer is. 
And, you know, our engagement levels have increased dramatically and we're a top EMV brand in skincare because we listen. And so the dialogue has changed over the last seven months. And there are things that people care more about. And so on our Instagram feed, as example, we have been more conscientious about wellness tips and take a break. And, you know, again, feeding them what they, they, they want to hear and using our expertise and take on wellness has been a huge, I think, win for us in social media. So we've been doing, we've been doing, yeah, we've been doing yoga classes, you know, skin master classes, meditation, mindfulness, you know, Instagram lives. These are things that we normally didn't do. And it's just really bringing together our community and doing anything we can to support them. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I, I talk about this all the time with brands, but what brands are finally doing now on social media is by listening to their customers is really what social media is about and what should have been <laughs> being done all along. And I feel like we we used to have to pull teeth to tell these clients, you know, just listen to your customer. They'll tell you what content to create. And it took the pandemic for, for so many brands to realize like, this is how you connect one-to-one with your audience. And that's what drives real results. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. So tell us what is happening in business in 2021. We know we can't plan ahead for everything as we've learned from last year, but but do you have any fun launches or initiatives that you're excited for in the new year? Oh my gosh, yes. That's a, a that's a heavy question. So yeah, we we're we're excited, you know, to kind of turn the page into 2021. You know, I think we're very I think we have strong perspective in that the journey will continue. And we'll continue to you know, uh, navigate un- uncharted waters and waters that are, are, are still shifting. However, you know, I think in terms of initiatives, you know, we, we continue to, you know, focus on virtual ways of connecting with people. And this includes our retailer community as well as our own DTC channels. We also are preparing for the consumer when when they're ready to return to stores, you know, and trying to be creative in developing a remarkable and a superior in-store experience in brick and mortar. And, you know, we have amazing launches always. We, uh, you know, I guess particularly I'm excited about the custom serum. We are just now launching it's kind of the next stage for us in terms of skincare. And it, it really taps into your unique, you know, needs. And you can, you know, customize it from a benefit point of view, but also from even down to how it how it smells. So I think this is something we're really excited about in terms of, of learning. Can't wait to try it. <laughs> Have to hook you up. <laughs> Is there an accomplishment you're most proud of looking back in your career? Mm, I, I think the most significant accomplishment was 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 with Smashbox. Um, it was it was literally a, a very small brand, and it became a, you know a top ranking brand. You know, in the prestige marketplace, it was one of the fastest growing brands. You know, in the competitive set, and yeah, I'm I'm really proud of, of that journey. 
I'm also really proud of the fact that I stayed with Estee Lauder, you know, throughout that journey. It's, it's sometimes difficult for people to transition from a founder-based startup brand into a big corporation. And I'm, I'm proud of that experience and um, being able to be a part of such a professional company with a strong reputation. So, yeah, I think that's, that's been my, my proudest accomplishment. That, that's truly incredible. And we know that we all learn so much from mistakes that we've made along the way in business or in our career journeys. Can you share a time that you made a mistake and, and what you learned from it? Oh, God, this is a hard one. <laughs> you know, I think what I'm going to share with you is, yeah, I need to be vulnerable. I hate making mistakes. I hate failure. I hate feeling vulnerable. And this is a big lesson for me that I continue to learn is that making mistakes makes you smarter, makes you stronger. And so this is, I think, one of the the most valuable, I guess, lessons that that I would say that I've learned is in order to move forward, you've got to make mistakes. Just, Just make them, you know, what do I say? Fail. Fail fast, fail, fail fast, and fail cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't fail, you never get to remarkable, right? You get to status quo if you just don't take risks. That's so true. Courtney and I call them our learning lessons, and we try to write them down and and learn from the many many mistakes we we've had along the way. You just try not to repeat them. <laughs> Well, yeah, and you look at it's 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 also learning how to embrace them, right? You know, you look at children. You know, they make mistakes all the time. They fall, they slip up, they get hurt. You just get right back up. It's it's not a big deal. It's part of growing, and they know that and they accept that. Why, as adults, do we try to stop and be try to become perfect, right? and hide our mistakes, you know? I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it's, it's a challenge I, I continue to, to work on. Just not feeling bad about it. Up next, how Michelle uses art to unwind after a stressful work week and who inspires her every day. So Michelle, what does a typical day outside of work look like? And I know that has changed dramatically for a lot of people considering where we have limited things to do, but what are, you, what are you doing when you're not working? Yes, I I agree with you. Things are different and I look at it actually as a positive thing and I'm trying to get some positivity out of you know, our situation, our current situation. So You know, my new normal has been, you know, a lot more creativity. I've gotten away from creativity, you know, with the day-to-day traveling, working hard, you know, and and the the life that I used to live. And and now, since it's hard to go out and, you know, you're not meeting up with friends, et cetera, I've learned to tap into creativity. And so I'm painting. Again, I I did my first painting. uh, Probably it's been 10 years last weekend. In fact, I'm on number three already because I'm, I'm loving it. It's just so good for the soul. What are you painting? I, I did something. My first painting was easy and cool. I just, it was a, I took a whole bunch of paint. I learned this from Dr. Murad. I don't know if you know, Dr. Murad paints and 
actually, I have a history, you know, in school, I, I was very artistic, but I kind of got away from it. But the, the most recent thing I've done that has been so fun, and it's just such a stress relief, because I don't have to be perfect. So I just take a whole bunch of paint and I put it in I water it down and put it in a big kind of container like a bucket and then I pour it onto a canvas really thick and watch it bleed out and it's so cool and so many different variations it's just I'll have to show you but yes it, I want to see it out really awesome then I gold leafed some cool things on it so it was awesome so that was amazing I loved it so much I started painting the next day and then I started to try to be, you know, accurate and paint a sunset and the water and kind of the, the view that I have. I'm very fortunate. And I, I tried to recreate that. And I honestly haven't finished it because I got myself into perfection mode and it wasn't fun anymore. And so I took a break. <laughs> I was getting so stressed out about the painting that I put it away and I'll, I'll come back to it. But yeah, and I like to decorate. I've been doing a lot of things in the house, you know. The house is our, our place right now. So, you know, making it comfortable and, and happy is important to me. Buy a lot of flowers. I love flowers. Ah, I love that. Are there any podcasts or books that you listen to or recommend? You know, it's funny. We just finished uh, about a month ago a book. It's a business book. It's hard for me to read uh, personally. I, I it's, a, it's a dirty little secret, but I enjoy more the creative things when I'm off to just kind of release my mind. I do so much reading, you know, during work. So the books that I read are almost all business books, unfortunately, but I read one recently, our team read one called the five dysfunctions of a team. Have you heard of it? by no, chance? I have heard of it and it was recommended to me, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. You know, you know, we all know that that team is, you know, the, the most, the biggest competitive advantage you can have as a, as a business and as a leader. And this, this book really teaches you how to be more intimate as a team with higher trust as a team. And it digs into being more controversial and um, being outspoken with your team, being honest with the team. Conflict is, is, is a sign of trust. And, you know, a lot of teams think, that conflict is a sign of trouble. It's a sign of trust. And so it's, it's quite interesting. And, and uh, I've enjoyed it. And we're starting to put some things into practice as a team. I'm similar to you. I feel like everything I read is for business. So I completely understand. <laughs> I have my guilty little, you know, what do you call the gossip magazines? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know what is your skincare routine? Oh God. Listen, I, I've got the best skincare uh, at, at, at my fingertips. So I, I do use skincare every single day. I'm really good about my morning routine. I, I get up, do my thing, um, be sure to wear a sunscreen. And, you know, I'm so, so at night. I must admit that uh, I know I'm supposed to do my, my routine at night as well, but sometimes I just go to bed. <laughs> so I'm not perfect by any means, but I try to keep a nice, a nice regimen at least once a day. I was going to say, I could definitely relate. I feel like my nighttime routine is uh, one of those makeup wipes. And then I'm by the end of it, I'm too tired to do anything else. <laughs> 
And I realized the other night, because I typically don't really wear makeup during the day anymore. Yeah, it's true. I did put on makeup a few days ago for some Zoom recordings and photos. And then I went to bed without washing my face because I typically don't wear makeup. I woke up the next morning. I'm like, oh my God. guys, right? (laughs) I know. I think maybe that's why I've been a little bit more lazy too, because I'm wearing a lot less less makeup. So I'm forgetting about it. (laughs) Well, even over zoom, your skin and makeup is glowing. (laughs) You're so sweet. Thank you. Michelle, do you have a favorite quote or mantra that you live by? Yes, I do. It's, you know, it's one that actually comes from Dr. Murad. I don't know if you know, but Dr. Murad has so many books and he's all about, you know, purpose of making people feel better and live healthier lives. So the brand is, you know, not only about clinical efficacy and results in in skincare. So the science is there, but there's also a science-backed wellness aspect. And one of the quotes actually when when I joined the brand that I that I took from Dr. Murad and actually printed it on my my business card because I wanted to learn this this mantra and live this mantra was be imperfect, live longer. I love that. That's a that's a, a love right there. Yes, <laughs> <Definitely>. a heart. <laughs> that's definitely one that I'm going to write down. Yes. Be imperfect, live longer. Gotta put things in perspective. Is there anything you wish you knew earlier in your career that you know now? Be imperfect, live longer. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote it down in my notes here. It's so (laughs) true. You (laughs) You know, everyone typically is so worried about making a mistake or things need to be so perfect before you launch or do anything. And it's exhausting. The emotional exhaustion, but also think about the, you know, what what we talked about earlier and, and what we've learned amongst, you know, COVID is, you know, we don't have time to be perfect. We've got to move and we've got to pivot quick. And so we don't have time for perfection. And my gosh, we've gotten, you know, so much accomplished over the last seven months. You know, I would say double time of what we would normally be doing. And it's something that we're trying to, you know, move forward is to continue to tap into that creativity, um, that, that speed and, and testing mentality and understanding and accepting that it's not going to be perfect. And that's okay. Absolutely. Have you had mentors in your life over the years? You know, I have to say I've had, you know, a ton of mentors, you know, a ton of people that I've worked for that, that I've respected. And, but there's not one person that, you know, I took as my mentor, as my perfect mentor. What I, what I always try to do is, is tap into, you know, the skills that, that I admire and respect you know, and, and so from some bosses, I've learned, you know, X, Y, Z, but, but not everything, you know, and, and others I've picked out, you know, A, B, and C. And so I've, I've taken, I think a little bit, you know, qualities that I really respect and appreciate it, appreciate out of all the people that I've worked for in the past. And, you know, personally, my, my mom is, is my mentor. She, you know, I'm an only child. She, she raised me working full-time, you know, for the most, most part alone, you know, as a single parent. And I learned very young that, you know, you can do and have whatever you want as a, as a woman. You just have to go after it. 
and you can do it on your own if you have to. So it's, it's always, she's been a guiding part of my life and seeing that and growing up with that, I think made me who I am today. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. What are you grateful for each day? Oh, I'm, I'm grateful for so much. And I've been practicing gratitude. That's my, my New Year's resolution. Every day I wake up and I actually sit and have coffee outside and I, I look at the ocean and I, I'm so grateful for being healthy, for being alive, for, for my job, for my husband, for my kitties. You know, I, I really try to appreciate, you know, everything around me. And I think that's something that COVID has also done is, is it's helped me slow down and reflect and to look for the things that, that I need to be grateful for. It's so important. I feel like it's, this time has done that for, for so many. And it, it's wonderful that you're, they're able to step back and realize what, what is most important. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Michelle. Thank you. What does being an intrapreneurista mean to you? Oh my goodness. This is a hard one. Let's see. I think it's about being strong, being a strong woman that has the courage and strength to, to follow her purpose and her heart. That, that's what it means to me. Thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing your incredible career journey and story. I can't wait to continue to follow you and see all the incredible things that, that you're going to continue to accomplish. And thank you for being a voice for all of these women that you're able to show that you can do absolutely anything you you put your mind to. And thanks to your mom too for instilling that. <laughs> <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you, uh, Stephanie and Courtney. It's It's been my pleasure and thank you for having me. Where can everyone find you, follow you, and of course, buy your awesome products? Ah, you're so sweet. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Murad uh, Skincare and Murad.com. That's, uh, you can learn a lot about the brand uh, history on our website and then Instagram, you know, hopefully you can follow us and, you know, get some tips on, you know, your skin and the science of skin and your skincare routine, but also get some things to nourish your, your wellness and your soul as well. Yes. And now meditation and yoga yes. on your Instagram too. <laughs> Join us. Well, thank you again, Michelle. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.